This episode of Running Your Mouth podcast is brought to you by Aluku, the creators of the Grateful Miles Running Journal. Get the full physical and mental benefit from your running with the Grateful Miles Journal, a luxurious six-month gratitude journal that combines gratitude and running and fitness goal setting and a daily exercise log. This journal is designed to bring out the best versions of yourself and to shift your mental focus. The Grateful Miles Journal will help you plan and set your running and fitness goals, giving you a purpose, improve your overall happiness, improve your mental health and general positivity through daily gratitude, and keep you focused and on track to achieving your goals. You can get a copy of the Grateful Miles Journal from aluku.com. That's A-L-O-O-K-U.com. And right now, Running Your Mouth listeners can get 10% off the purchase of a Grateful Miles Journal with the code podcast 10 that's aluku.com and use code podcast 10 on this episode of running your mouth podcast jimmy and i get to speak to travis island travis is the founder and creator of the super popular run down under we had a great time talking with travis really good chat and we loved it we hope you do too Hi, and welcome to the latest episode of Running Your Mouth podcast. We'll kick off with our acknowledgement of country. We'd like to thank uh, elders past, present and future and to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands on which we're meeting. So myself and our special guest here on the Gold Coast are meeting in the land of the Yungambeh people and co-host Jimmy is down in city, Sydney in the land of the Gadigal people. All right, gents. How are you today? Very good. Good thanks to ask. Good job. Good intro, well, mate. Mate, I'd have to get through the bloody IT dramas for the, the 15 minutes before we meet the start. So sorry about that, boys. Kept you hanging. We're good That's to go, right. mate. We're here now. All right. So by way of introduction, our guest today is the owner, the creator of a very popular uh, running platform now in Australia, Run Down Under, Mr. Travis Island. How are you, Travis? Good, thanks, Das. Very good, Welcome, thank mate. you, thank you, Jimmy. Welcome. Pleasure to be here, guys. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on for a chat. You're a recommendation from someone else, and and from what I heard, uh, you've got a good story to tell. So we'll see how that goes. But more importantly, mate, um, run down under. It's almost impossible these days to go for a run, certainly here on the Gold Coast, without seeing your t-shirts everywhere, your singlets on everyone. Um, everyone loves it. Yeah, yeah. And, and the singlets are a massive part of the event, which I never thought was going to be a massive part of the event. You know, when I set it up, it was never about seeing someone in a singlet, but it's developed as, as, as the app has. It's developed and it's a huge part of the event is the merch. Um, I've got a designer. I used to do them myself and they were pretty crappy back in the early days. Um, and there's no yes. coincidence that my numbers have Seems increased so. as a result of <laughs> singlets being better. I've seen some of your posts, actually, of your progression of singlets. And uh, since you pointed it out, they do get better and better. <laughs> I do. I, if you talk to uh, anyone back in 2014, it was a unisex uh, cotton singlet that uh, the women didn't like and the men didn't fit into. So it was, <laughs> I've, I've come a long way. And even back then, I had, I had no medal in 2014, much to the disgust of my 750 members. So I've, I've come a long way since then. Right, that sounds like a uh, army PT shirt, Jim. 
Yeah, it does. <laughs> it does. It sits in the bottom of your drawer. Yeah. So, Travis, well, um, before we sort of get into the rundown under stuff, mate, obviously you've had some passion for running. You've been involved in running at some stage before this come up. So, like we ask all our guests, as far as running goes, where did it all start for you? Did it start with, uh, you know, something like Run Down Under? Or we, are you a runner? Um, do you identify as a runner as one thing? And two, is it something that you've done a lot of your life? Yeah, as far back as I can remember, I was, I was a runner. You know, from year one at school doing cross country, I guess I was always a runner. I, I grew up in a small town in the south coast of New South Wales. And there wasn't much to do other than sport, um, the beach, surf and things like that. So... I remember running cross country through primary school and playing soccer is what I played when I was a, a young kid. And I used to run the soccer training, used to run home, used to run across country. Our, our PE teacher used to get us doing running before school and went from there. And I'm, I'm a bit of a competitive bastard. So there was four other guys that cross country in school that went right through from primary school, right through to high school that would always make it through to the next level. And, and we always had this goal, the five of us, to try and get as far as we could from Marimbula Primary School through to the regionals, through the districts. And uh, I think I made it to state once where I came 49th out of 50 people. And the other guys, one went on to represent Australia and the others from there. So I've always run and I've always loved it. You know, it's never been a chore. I remember one distinct day I went for a surf and one of the guys I was talking about, the guy that represented Australia, he was doing 400s around the oval with his old man on the stopwatch and he was crying. He wasn't enjoying it. And I said, I never want to get there. I don't want to ever have to run where I'm not enjoying it or I'm made to run. And I never have. I've just run because I love it. And I yeah. kept that going um, right through. I had a bit of a break in uni when I drank beer instead and had a bit of a break uh, when I had kids and a, a bit of a midlife crisis and then picked it up again a lot more seriously when I started Run Down Under, which is where Run Down Under started. Yeah, right. So were, were you Run Down Under person number one? Did you put yourself no. in the number one slot? No, I didn't. And back when I first started, I did have numbers. So that number one, I'll never forget it, is Jenny Alcorn, who's um, she's here on the Gold Coast. She heads up a Surface Paradise Triathlon Club. I don't even know how I did it. I presume she was the first one to, to join, but she got number one. Um, I got myself number 365, and there's a, there's a story behind that. But, you know, Jenny, Jenny Alcorn was number one, and she only stayed in for a year. I need to have a chat to her about that. She was only a member <laughs> for one year and hasn't been back, so she's only about enforced her. So she's got a fair way to go to finish. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's... Um... It's certainly something that a lot of people celebrate and take a lot of pride in. So, yeah, you'd think if you were the number one, you'd, you'd be knocking a few more laps out. So you better get back into it, Jenny, if you're listening. Yeah, you better. Not. <laughs> not much chance of that, I don't think. <laughs> it's been a while. So what was that five years ago, you said? So year five now, year six now? Year six, seven years. So 2000, seven. January the 1st, 2014, it kicked off. And it was it was just a word of mouth thing. It was a hobby back then. Um. I used to run fun runs. I was a, I never called myself a race director, but in this day and age, I would have been a race director. So I ran fun runs and yeah, decided to do something a little bit different for myself. Um, and yeah, that was January the 1st. So I started setting it up in 2013, about July. I started the concept and then launched it on the 1st of January, 2014. All right. 
So how um I guess we'll dig into the rundown and stuff now because that's the that's the topic, that's what everyone wants to hear about. How did it how did it come about? Like there's obviously you've gone through a period running as a young fella, done yep. all the thing, you know, gone to uni, done that stuff, part done the party part, started a family. Um yep. and then at some point in time you've come up with a cracking idea that's I'm sure taking a lot of hard work to get where it is now. But um what was the what was the genesis? What created it? Yeah, okay. It was you know, I haven't told too many people other than my my friends and stuff the story, but I'm really happy to, to tell the, the entire story today. Yeah, you, know you should be you should be really proud of it, mate. Um back in two thousand and I'm gonna tell the long story, so grab a grab a water. Well my and, coffee's empty from trying to fix my IT issues. So <laughs> um <laughs> So two thousand and thirteen on July the seventh, I um I came clean with a, a gambling addiction that I had for the last uh, ten years or so. And I hit my rock bottom and I was actually at the Gold Coast Airport Marathon back then it was called. And I was in the, the toilet and, and the long story is I, I basically hit rock bottom in terms of I had no more funding left to um, feed my addiction anymore after 10 years. I'd, I'd exhausted everything. I had a, a wife and three kids and I'd, uh, I'd blown everything from our super to our houses and mortgages to banks and loans and everything. I'd, I'd, uh, I'd done a lot. I remember looking at my phone and it said no funds available and I had no other option. And I thought to myself, I need some time because I didn't know what was going to go through my head. I didn't know if I was going to go and rob the bar at the, at the Gold Coast Marathon. I didn't know what was going to do. So I went into the toilet and I stood there and Robert D. Costello walked in. And um, as you do, say good day. And he goes, you're running, mate? I said, no, nah, no. Nah. I said, but I'm going to run the marathon next year. And it just popped out of my head. I'd never run further than a half marathon in my life. I hadn't run much at all in the last 14 years. And it popped out of my head and I don't know why. And then I walked out to my mate and I said, Maddie, get your camera out and film this. I'm going to run the marathon next year. So we filmed it. I went home that night, told my, uh, my ex-wife now, told her at the time what I'd, what I'd done and my addiction. And um, that was the last time, time I ever had a bet. And it was also the first day of my... Uh, my running journey. So I had to go to rehab and um, gamble anonymous and all those type of things. And I needed another, another task, another interest. Um, and things like candy crush and things on the phone were, were fueling that addiction still. Um, I tried, but um, I was told they're no good for me because I can probably go back and do something. So in rehab, they just said, you need to find something that takes your mind off. And I was committed to this marathon. So I looked at a, a training program for a marathon and they're all 10, 12, 20 weeks. And I, I had a year before the marathon. So I thought I'm going to run around Australia is again, same as Deeks. I just said it just come out of my, my mouth and I said it and uh, I'm going to run around Australia. And I looked at logistics and obviously I had no money anymore and uh, I couldn't afford to leave my family. So I decided to do it virtually. So I said about making a map, um, a journey where I wanted to go. It was all about me. There was no one else involved at this stage. I was just going to run around Australia myself virtually. So when people look at the map and they ask questions about why don't you go to Cairns, why don't you go to Townsville, why don't you go here, it's, it was my map and it was all about me. I had no interest in anyone else at that, that particular time. Then when I built it, um, I thought I needed some accountability. So I put it out there, who wants to join me? And being a race director, I had a, a website. So I just set up an entry fee. Um, 50 bucks 
you get a crappy white singlet, the unisex, and come along and, and join me. And I expected to get 50 people, a few mates, a couple of fun runners, and, and that'd be it. And when we went to start on January the 1st, I had 759 people. And I still, to this day, don't know how how that happened. Um, it, it was only word of mouth. I didn't have social media. I didn't have a website. Um, it was just, I sent an email to my database of fun runners and said, this is what I'm doing. Um, this is how it works and, and come join me. And 759 people started out. I remember January the 1st, the, the first week, it took me 19 hours to do the results because people just typed in an Excel spreadsheet and sent it to me and I had to copy and paste it and do it all. And that's where it began. And it was, it was about me. It was no one else. Um, it was my journey and I didn't have any goals of it being a business. I didn't have any goals of it um, really being anything other than an awesome way for me to stay motivated and train for a marathon in, which was now six months, seven months time. And that's how it started. And what got me straight away was the concept. So if 759 people joined for a crappy singlet and Excel spreadsheet and a concept, um, it was a hobby. I had another company that I was running. And I thought, well, this is something that people are enjoying. I'm, I'm going to keep going. And slowly it's progressed uh, to where it is now. And, and now it's my, uh, it's my job and my passion. And um, it's come a long way. And you now I sit here now, I'm, I'm seven years, uh, seven months without a, without a punt, without a gamble. And I've run a truckload as a result. Oh mate, I I love everything that you said. I mate, I've gone through a recovery process myself from the drink, and one of the things that I took, you know, one of those personal philosophies out of that experience, the ongoing experience, every day is that I come to learn that I could be selfish and selfless at the same time, and that was just really hit me when you were talking that you you undertook you know your recovery and then found a way to move forward in a selfish aspect that has now manifested in the in a way that you were giving something to everybody else now which is so selfless um i love it thanks for sharing mate your words really landed on me thank you uh, my pleasure and i actually it quite therapeutic talking about it you know, it's it's and if i can help someone else and and it's exactly right jimmy i um i hope someone else joins up and and has the same experience i have because i was engrossed in it and i still am i'm i'm probably the number one oh, i'm not number one i know there's more people passionate than me but i'm in the top 10 passionate users of run down under as well as owning it and creating it um i find it so motivating for me personally aside of the, the business um yeah, so if the platform can help others in whatever way, whether it be weight loss or friendships or addictions or whatever it may be, then that's the that's the real exciting part of Run Down Under. What a beautiful mate, firstly mate. Yeah. As you know, like a big congratulations, mate, on um, obviously what you overcame or overcome, sorry, to you know, and it led to run down under, you know, it's I guess it's in some ways a bit of a, a saviour type situation for you. It was um, you know, unreal to hear that and that you, you know, come up on eight years of staying away from having a punt. And um, like Jimmy mentioned, I mean, him and I, we have similar chats about you, Jim, and the, and the drink side of things. You're not 
your timelines aren't too different, actually. It's only a year or so in it. Um, yep. oh, you must, like, obviously the, you, you, you should be, and I'm sure you are very proud of not just um, what you've done with Run Down Under, but what it, what is, how it's helped you out. But then all those other um, milestones that people tick off, like I'm just thinking about my wife. She signed up to it a couple of years ago, maybe three years ago, and then a month later broke her ankle. Um, and it's taken two years and surgery and a heap of stuff to get back running. Um, and the first thing she did when she actually got back to go for a run was go, oh, I finally got out of Goulburn because she she broke her ankle at Christmas. She got as far from Canberra to Goulburn, I think it was. Yep. And, um, you know, that was, a, that was a motivator for it. It was one of the big things just to get her back walking and running and stuff again. So... You know, like there's those little things that you probably don't hear those all the time, but it's yeah. helping so many people in little ways. And now she's back. Now this week was her first week back actually into a training program in two years. So, awesome. you know, and then run down under, gave her that little kick that was driving her to get back and get get healed. So, um, mate, it's That's- it's everywhere. You see that you see everyone celebrating their their laps and all those sort of things. Um, yeah. We had now I might have this wrong, so I might have to edit it out, but. Steve Wright was the first person to finish. Is that right? That's exactly right. Back in 2015. Yeah, so we had him on. When did we have Steve on, Jimmy? Like, it was like the early one, like episode four or five or something. And I don't think, I think we completely forgot to bring it up because he was just, just about to kick off his six-day run around Oxenford Lake. Yeah. Um, and then we got off and like, I completely forgot to mention that. And that's would so many people would go, holy shit, that's the guy that was the first one to finish run down under because it's people give it such significance now. It's great. Yep. Yep. And and he embraces it and he oh, I'll never forget the day. I'd never met him. I didn't know who the guy was. Um and yeah, it was November two thousand and fifteen. The um first man to finish. He's still in the top five quickest as well. He's he's actually finished Three laps. He's, he's quite unique. No one else has done this in that he finished both laps of Australia. So when you finish the first one, it, it's gamified. So it unlocks another one. And back when he did it, that was the only option. There's, there's no other maps now. So he unlocked the second one. And then when he finished, he didn't want to go and do Europe or USA. He wanted to do Australia again. So he had to set up a new profile because I don't have the functionality to, to do that. So he's quite unique in that he's finished three laps of Australia and he's on his fourth. And uh, I'm good mates with him now. He's, he's one of my good friends. And the bastard is chasing me down on, on his fourth lap and my second. And uh, he's got a timeline <laughs> when he wants to pass me. And he's, he, he tells me that. But he's, yeah, he's awesome. So, mate, it's, it's one thing to get lapped on the track. It's another thing to get lapped <laughs> around the country. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> How, when you so you've obviously grown it into now a business that is like you mentioned there it's your well one main thing obviously is your passion but it's also your business now yep. and I've you know I've never actually done it I'll come clean I actually never signed up for run down, run down under but I follow your social media and you know a lot of people talk about it and you you seem to still do the things that I would assume was things you did very early on the small things like making a big deal about someone finishes their lap you know like the the arch comes, well, certainly here on the Gold Coast, the arch comes out and people get out in their rundown under singlets and run the last five or 10 or 20 Ks or whatever it is with someone to finish their lap. Is that something you've done from the start? 
Yep. Uh, so I was there for, for Stephen, number one, and I made a goal to get to the top 10. Uh, unfortunately, I couldn't get across to WA for Josie Kidman. Um, she was number seven or eight, and I couldn't get to Tassie for, for um, Troy or Kim Reader, I think it was. I forget which one it was. Now they're going to upset me. But I got to the, the other eight, and it was something that I was passionate about because, number one, they'd invested their $50 a year to, to be part of it, and um, they deserved it. And number two, it's a massive achievement. It's it's something that you put years and years of work into, and it's it's similar to a park run, I guess, in that you do 100 park runs and people get out and, and celebrate that because it's that's two years' worth of work. Um, this is this is the same. At the moment, my, well, my latest finisher, Kyle, he took seven years um, to do it. Long story, but he's our uh, seven years. So it's a massive achievement. So they deserve to be celebrated. And, and to be honest, it's never me thinking, oh, this is work. I've got to go and work and celebrate them. I genuinely want to get out and hear their story and, and celebrate. You know, got out with Gary Rogers, who's, who's got no arms. Um, saw him finish and, and ran with him. Uh, Greg Ponch, I ran a marathon with him, which is not really my forte. Um, and Stephen Wright, when he finished his third lap, I ran 50Ks with him. It was my longest run ever. Um, we started at three in the morning and, and jogged down to his, I'm sure he spoke about his favourite run down at Coolangatta. Yeah, and we, the breakfast I did the Cooley. Breakfast at Cooley. So I did that yeah. with him. Um, way out of my comfort zone, but it's, so it's not work. And we had the arch up at the end and, and um, yeah, I, the people deserve it. And, and to be honest, I love it. I really, I get a lot out of it. And it goes back to me being a little bit selfish. I, I get so much out of it hearing the stories. It makes me want to get out and run. It makes makes me happy for want of a better word um so yeah i celebrate it. and the concept when i when i look back at where i didn't do so well in 2014 2015 because it was a hobby and i had another company i lacked that personal interaction and my retention rate was 25 percent, 30 percent, similar to a gym people start and just just leave because there was nothing really there to keep them going um so in 2016 i made a real conscious um, decision to make it a community, to make it not just an app and different to apps out there. So there's apps that are a lot more functional than I am. So let's use Strava as an example, awesome app. Um, but there's, I don't know who Mr. Strava is. I'm not sure of his name or her name. Um, and I made, just made an effort to try and be a little bit different from apps and make it a community. And that's where it started from. So from the small things, from emailing someone to say congrats on raking to Brisbane to going to a park run and wearing my singlet. And if I see someone out walking up and saying g'day, um, not for me, but to ask where they're, where they're going in the journey, if they're enjoying it. So yeah, that, that's where the concept came from. It's a, it's a community, it's a, there's a person behind it and a bit more um, engaging. Well, I've seen like the evidence of that community you've built again. And I guess, we're both on the Gold Coast, so, you know, there's a, there's a bit of overlap there. But the, the GC50, and this year was a little bit different, but previous years, you know, teams, clubs, you know, big clubs with members and all that sort of stuff, they have, you know, one or two marquees sort of set up. Although I distinctly remember, and I don't know if it was, it's been this big before, but 2019, your marquee you had set up for all the rundown under people that were doing GC50 was bigger than the finishers marquee, like recovery area for the runners. 
and you had a cool room backed up to it that you need to tow with a vehicle for all the beers. Correct. So that, Correct. that, like that just shows how much people enjoy and want to be part of that community. So yep. you, I think you get run down under gets the most numbers as far as the, the club competition goes each year. Is that, is that right? Yeah. Usually big numbers in your, in your tent. Yeah, I got I got pipped by Springfield Runners Club um, in two thousand and twenty or something. Anyway, I got pipped by them by two, and I'm still a little bit dirty because they're my second biggest club. So of those Springfield Runners, seventy percent of them were run down under members, but they chose Springfield Runners as their chosen club. So I just needed two or three of them to swap allegiance, and I would have taken the trophy, but they got it off <laughs> me that year. But that's no, it's it is it is an awesome thing, and and the cool room and the the tent and all that is is again my way. It's yeah, it's about promoting who we are, but it's about letting all those. I think we had 116. We had 13 marquees, so maybe more than that, um, to our name. So to, to let them know they're part of the community and get a photo taken and chat to someone um, of a similar ilk. There might be a 75 year old guy that rocks up that that meets another older runner and they can have a chat um we're so diverse in in our runners from trails to to fast to slow to old and young so yeah it's, it's great to have that and the the beers mate we couldn't have them this year because of covid and my numbers were dramatically lower this year <laughs> that's a good motivator and not you know one know. of the hottest months of the year i know it was yeah, um, very poor up I, and go uh, up and goes that what you had was it I, yes, I took 130 and I bring 124 home. <laughs> <laughs> How many did you drink? Six. <laughs> yeah, I noticed uh, last year, 2019, uh, there was uh, a few people doing a few laps of various tents and keeping their beer supply topped up. I reckon you would have donated a few to them at that stage. So it was, uh, it was a good year. The, I think like, you'd see them out on course as well, particularly that race, like a hot race. It's down along the coast. You run, you're pounding concrete for 50 k's, and I think even people, your guys, run down under crew hadn't hadn't met each other like you mentioned before. And you come along, someone they're running in their run down under singlet. You know, you strike up that conversation. They might collect five or six or ten k's together, and all of a sudden, that might have got them through a tough spot, or it might have you know pushed them far enough down the course that they're going, well, I'm going to finish this. So again, there's that that community benefit and that environment that you've created through you know, what started out as a way for you to train for a marathon is I'm just blown away by the impact that Run Down Under has on people. It's, it's tremendous. Yeah, yeah, and that's right. And, and even to put the singlet on, when you go out for a run, most days you'll see someone else with a singlet on and, and things in it. It does give you a spring in the step, particularly park run on a, on a Saturday, chuck the singlet on and um, similar feel with park run. It's that community spirit. So chuck it on and you don't have any, you're not nervous to go and talk to someone else who's got the single on. Um, yeah, and I love that. I love that about it. It's, it's, like it's a built-in icebreaker. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And it's something that I never created. It created itself. Um, it wasn't my business plan or my business model. It just it just happened, and I love it. It's, yeah. it's awesome to see. Sorry. Sorry, even at events, if you're on the sideline running, so a lot of people don't know who I am, and I'm running along with my singlet at an event, Someone will just yell out from the sideline, go run down under. That's because they see the singlet. And it's real motivating. Yeah, that'll give you a few chills. Certainly the first few times you hear it, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, it does. 
Jim, do you see um you see people kicking around their rundown undershirts down in Sydney where you're running around Marrickville down there? <laughs> Yeah, definitely. They're not hipster enough? No, no, definitely running around um, these parts. It's, uh, I think you'd be hard-pressed anywhere in Australia not to sort of go for a run and at least come across someone wearing some of the merch. You know, it definitely, I think it's got a huge presence everywhere. I've sort of been around, you know, I spent a bit of time in Queensland and in New South Wales now. And, um, yeah, it's definitely everywhere I go, which is a credit to what Travis has been able to create, you know, um, I guess my question for you now that I've got a moment off DAS, <laughs> I get fascinated, <laughs> mate. I, I, I'm fascinated. I, I a weak moment. I'm fascinated by, you know, your story and who you are as a person. Like we spoken about how rundown under started and it's been able to grow and just, it's become something that you didn't even you know, will potentially, um, not speaking for you, but didn't know actually how big it would eventually become. It's like got us one of the, it's an icon of Australian running. (laughs) But what about, what about your journey? You know, has your growth followed, you know, a, a similar sequence to run down under, if you will? Yeah. Most definitely, Jimmy. The most, um, I guess the the biggest comparison is in 2016 when I, you know, I, I separated from my ex-wife as a result of my, my gambling and um, my fault and everything, and I moved on. And I, I wasn't a talker. I wasn't a, I wasn't a big emotional guy. Um, but I put a post out on, on Facebook. I know, you're not, I know you're not on Facebook, and I just got emotional for the first time I think ever in my life and and it coincided with my uh, run down under becoming a platform for me to speak and communicate and promote rather than just for the first two years sit there in the background which is pretty much what I was um, I spoke up and I spoke emotionally and I told people about my story and and the support I got was unbelievable now not one person called me a name, put me down, told me I was an idiot for what I did. They all were there. And, and it was pretty hard for me to speak out that first time. And similar to Run Down Under, I then started using that platform to, to speak, tell your story. You know, Stephen Wright, I don't know how much he told you about his story, but I would never have heard that if it wasn't a result of my journey. I would never have asked him. Um, and if it wasn't for Run Down Under, we, we wouldn't have met. So definite, definite correlation between the two in my opening up and my ability to talk and, and also I'm a, I'm a different person now to what I was when I first started it and um, still recovering. But um, yeah, I, I still, I don't know how to put it into, into words. I, I'm struggling a bit for, for how to explain my progression um, because it's all, it's all in me. I mean, I know who I am Um and if you speak to my ex-wife, she knows the old Trav. And if you speak to my current partner, she knows the new Trav. And somewhere in between that, my mum and dad have seen the, the transition of my sister and a few of my mates. But I'm struggling to explain how it, how it happened. And I, I can only put it down to one Facebook post where I spoke. And um, what was that, 2016 or whatever it was, 2017? And 
I had friends that I went to school with that I hadn't heard from for 20 years messaging me uh, and things. Then I realised how how epic is this, this speaking thing, this ability to talk and, and get out. Um, and I've got some stories. I was, I was actually away. I did a, a road trip by myself. I'd um, just recently separated and been through my, my second round of rehab and, and done all that. And I was on a road trip. And it was that one week away by myself, which I'd never really done. It's uh, that was the turning point. And it was also the turning point of, of run down under success. And there is a definite correlation there. Yeah, I love that, mate. And um, the more you talk and the more you share, you know, I just, your words really land on me and that's what you just spoke to, you know, those moments of vulnerability and, you know, allowing yourself. I had said to my partner on the weekend, you know, we were running on the trails and I use it as a lot for contemplation, but I had said to her that I feel as though vulnerability is being able to illuminate the dark parts of you through your own light, you know, and um, that's an example of what you just spoke to there about that vulnerability to, you know, show people what you were going through and, you know, those commitments that you had made to yourself and then following through on that commitment and also giving people that space in your vulnerability for them to be vulnerable themselves. And I think that's, um, that's something very beautiful and is equally as impressive as run down under. Yeah. And it's a word that I embrace. I, I, if you told me the old Trav vulnerability, I, I wouldn't have even know what that meant, but it's, it's something that I, I resonate a lot with and, and it all came about that trip. So that trip um, was June, 2017. And I separated in in April or March that year. And it was supposed to be a trip with me and my wife. And we're going over to Perth and I was running the marathon. And then we're going south to Margaret River to do wineries and five-star stuff. And everything. Um, obviously, that changed. I still went over and did the marathon. But I went north instead. And instead of the five-star wineries, I got a $30 lucky camper and spent seven days heading north. And when I finished the marathon, I had no plan. All I, all I knew I wanted to do was get up the top and swim with a whale shark. That was my my goal. And I was planning on staying in Perth for a couple of days, but I finished the marathon. I was there by myself. And I just jumped in the, the van and drove for two hours and stopped in a roadhouse. And I wanted to watch the mighty Parramatta Eels play at four o'clock. So I stopped in and went into a bar and there's only two guys in there and they're bikies. And I hope they're not listening because I might tell them something that could go take them to jail. But, they're our, biggest, um, they're our biggest demographic, Trav. <laughs> listeners, bikies. <laughs> well, there's two of them in there, and I can't remember what name. They're mongrels or something. I don't know what they were. But anyway, I walked in, and it was quite intimidating. I had a medal around my neck. I still had my running shorts on, and I ordered a schooner, and I, I asked the lady behind the bar if she could put the rugby league on, and she did. And the two bikey guys were over there drinking scotch, and they asked me a question, and next thing I know, Three hours later, they're hugging me and saying goodbye to me um, as I took off. And they, in those three hours um, of Parramatta winning and them having a chat with me, they told me things that they shouldn't have told me. They, that I opened up why I was doing it. I opened up about, I don't know why, these guys I didn't know. I hadn't, this is before my Facebook post. This is before I even spoke. But I told them the whole story. 
and they told me one of the guys had been abused as a kid told me about how he got his revenge on that guy um, 15 years later and how he did it and what he did um, the other guy I don't remember their names the other guy was out on a DVO so he wasn't allowed home for three days and they were some serious guys they could have made all this up for all I know but um, I walked out of there getting a hug from a guy and, and one of them said to me he goes Trav you'll be okay and that was I got straight on the phone to my dad and I just told him the story and he said bullshit didn't happen <laughs> to, to this day that was where vulnerability became a word in my my vocabulary because I walked in intimidated and for some reason just let everything out to these these two guys and in return they gave me back some pretty epic stories and that happened I'd I spent seven days on the road traveling and I'd, I'd be in a roadhouse and there'd be a couple of gray nomads, have a chat to them. They'd tell me a story. There's a, um, was it Shark Bay? And there's a couple of young girls um, and they told me stories that, you know, that why they were traveling and you know what they'd been through. And, and then there was a couple of backpackers and people my age and everyone. And for that seven days, it was, um, it was amazing. It was a, an amazing road trip. It was the most, it was the biggest change in me in my life. And it was, it was that, that's where the word vulnerable came in that whole way. And then I got to the airport and um, saw someone I used to work with 10 years ago and just broke down and cried. And that's when I put that, this Facebook post out and let everyone know that, because it was four or five months since I'd split up, but I think people didn't still, I didn't tell anyone. I told mum and dad and my sister, and maybe a close mate, but no one knew. So I didn't talk. So I put it out there and told everyone, and yeah, the rest is history. Hey, that's uh, extremely powerful stuff, mate. And I guess as blokes, we could be quite resistant to doing some of that emotional work, you know, and giving ourselves permission to cry and work through what we need to work through. How important was that for you to be able to be given the time and the space to be able to go through that process? And what would you, what advice or guidance could you give to anyone, you know, based on your experience? Yeah, it was so important, Jimmy. And I, I guess the best advice, I've got two young boys, a 14 year old and a soon to be 13 year old. And one thing I teach them and I try and teach any man is just, don't be afraid to show your emotions. Um, you know, the amount of times that I've been out running with, with a guy or a girl um, and what that conversation will lead to in a run and the benefit you get from sharing those emotions. You know, I think Jake, Jake Malby is one of the best, you know, when he did his 42 marathon, uh, 31 marathons in 31 days, some of the discussions that we had, um, I took my, my two young boys along to have a run with him. Um, they're running for mental health side of things, I'm trying to teach them. And I'm trying to teach a lot of my mates. You know, I've got another close mate that's going through a marriage breakup now, and he's never been one to speak. Um, and just getting him to open up and, and be vulnerable. Don't, no one's ever going to put you down. I'm yet to meet anyone in, that I know that's told me I'm a pussy or I'm a weak prick or stop being a sheila. No one's ever said that to me. You know, anyone I've opened up with, even my old man, you know, my old man just lost his best mate three days ago. And 10 years ago, me and the old man would never have even spoken about it. nothing. 
you know, I sent him a text message. I asked if he's doing okay. Um, he put a post, a post up on Facebook today saying he lost his mate. Um, so yeah, hopefully it rubs off, not just me, but, but everyone that, that is spreading the word. Hope it rubs off that it's okay to be vulnerable and it's okay to speak. And if someone does put you down or someone does call you a pussy or whatever they want to call you, then they're not your mate. They're not really worth your time. And they're definitely in the minority. Yeah, we spoke about this with Craig Watson, who we had on last our last episode, Trav, and um, it was very much around that um, breaking down that old, you know, hard-ass, stiff-upper-lip mentality about, you know, you just cop it and move on and don't show weakness and those sort of things. And Jim and I spoke about our time in the Army and how it was it was really reinforced back then. We can't, can't speak for what it's like. Certainly, I can't speak for what it's like now. But... It was any sign of weakness, any sign of emotion was just, it was an opportunity for people to chip you or, you know, they pull you, you are a weak so-and-so um, and a pussy and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, that's only, for me, that's 15 years ago and it's changed so quickly. Like normally that sort of, like this, there's a big emphasis obviously on mental health and breaking those stigmas and there's a lot still out there. But I think as a society, it's come a long way in 15 years. When you think about some of the other social norms that have taken a lot longer to break, you know, they, t- they require, you know, multi-generational change to see that shift. Whereas yep. we're seeing far more, um, far more of these stigmas getting destroyed around mental health um, now, and particularly that showing emotion for men in particular. Um, and you mentioned there when you go for a run and you have those chats and people lower their lower their colours a little bit so they'll have a they'll, they'll break down a bit for you. So that again, if we go back to sort of comes a full circle. We're talking about the community stuff with Run Down Under, things like Park Run, and those conversations are happening between people that probably don't know each other, similar to you, or maybe a little bit better than you and your you know your bikey brothers. But the um, they break it down um, and almost form these bonds significantly quicker because they're able to share that stuff um i just i think i don't know maybe i'm biased maybe because i like running and it's you know my community and you know my social outlet but it seems to be that it happens a lot easier in that environment than it does in a lot of other sports um do you do you say like you said you grew up playing soccer and you know obviously like the eels and it's you know that's probably not your fault you're probably made to do that as a kid but the um that those there's a lot of those sports where that it's still taking some time to come through, but they're getting champions in that area now. But running seems to be very accepting of that stuff and almost accommodating of people that seek that out. Yeah, it definitely is. And I'm, I'm sure there's research into what happens when you run. I'm not a, to pretend to be knowledgeable about this area, but when you run, there is something that comes out that you want to speak and you're, you're more relaxed to speak. You're more, the environment um it's it's it makes you want to have a chat about something and it might start off with how's the eels and then it might get to how's the missus then it might get to how's your job and next thing you know you're whinging about something and then you go well what's wrong and and next thing you know you you are delving in pretty deep into what really is going on in your life and you've got the time um you've got the the privacy and yeah so i i totally agree running is there something that i I looked at when I was going through my stuff, I was the first to speak to people about emotional stuff when I was running and might've got a bit too much for some people, but I would always open up and ask people how they're going. And I thought not me, but there's a business out there. There's, 
there's a business out there for someone to therapeutically help people through running. So rather than sitting in a in a room with a chair and, and opening up, and it doesn't have to be running, it could be walking, but head out and get in the fresh air and, and use that hour running to get things off your chest. And there's something in that. I don't know if anyone does it. Um, if they do, I'd love a shout out when you start your business up. But there is definitely something there for for that, the, the running doctor, something like that. Well, there is those, uh, and I don't, I'm sure it's not a business. I think it's just a group of people that get together and they do that. Um, I think it's, they go from Burley to, to Byron every year, that run, walk, talk. Oh, yeah, group. yep. Those boys, yep. Um, you know, they're doing their, you know, they're, they're creating that environment for people to go and do that and suffer for 80 whatever Ks along the way. But, um, you know, they're, so they're even, not even a business, just a, an opportunity through a social media uh, post or account. Um, you're seeing them things grow, which is, is really good. Yeah, th- those run, walk, talk guys are exactly that. You know, they, they don't just do that once, that one a year, early to buy, and they, they meet up, they had a Christmas one recently, and they're, they're all guys, they're all out there, and I'm, they have chats and they encourage that as part of it. So I've just met Swaney, the guy that runs it, owns it, whatever, um, and he was telling me he promotes that a lot, and it's, it's massive. They get some massive numbers, and it's like in the old days, you used to go to the pub, to catch up yeah. with mates. Um, but the conversation was different. Now, go for a run, same concept, but you're, you're hopefully becoming a bit more vulnerable and, and as society changes, you're, you're opening up more and you're not just talking about sheilas and footy, you're, you're talking about what's going on inside your head and that run, walk, talk is, is awesome for that. And it's not, even I run with the guys every Wednesday, just mainly us guys, we get a, the odd girl rock up every now and again, but... 99% of the time, it's five, six, seven, eight guys. And whilst we don't talk about emotional stuff, um, it's not planned, something will come out. You know, I might be running along beside Coxie one day and you just talk about something and, yeah, it's it's such a conducive environment for it, which yeah, I love. I think the, the more that, that sense of community exists and the more time you spend together and, you know, others knowing that they have permission to have that conversation if they need to have that conversation, then every run run is just building a greater depth of trust, you know? And I think that's, I, I haven't looked at it like that before until this conversation. And, you know, that's what really comes up, comes up for me hearing, hearing you talk, mate, is that, you know, a lot of these run groups are an outlet for people to, have those conversations, but also develop trust within themselves and trust with other people to have better conversations, you know? And yep. I think that's a, that's a beautiful thing as well. And it's not just guys, you know, it's, it's girls groups as well. I mean, when I said we have mainly guys, if we had a mixture of guys and girls in our run group, I'm sure that the conversation would be different and I'm sure the dynamic would be different because we're predominantly guys. We, we feel like we can talk about certain things. And same with the girls. If they're out there running in their their groups, and, and my partner's one that gets out with the girls and has the girls hikes and and gets away for four hours in the waterfalls and stuff, that's so therapeutic for them. And if there's three guys in amongst that, the conversation might change and might be different. So I understand the importance of both guys and girls. And and one thing that my partner and I talk about, and something I'm big on, is it's got to be about you. It's got to be about doing what you want. So my Wednesday walk is. Uh, run is for is for me 
Um, the time when I go by myself is for me. Um, when I choose to go with my partner, it's, it's for me um, and, and for her. So you've got to have that time for you to get what you want out of it. And that's something I'm pretty passionate about is trying to tell people to, to look after yourself. Um, yeah, it's a conversation I could probably get into. It's something I'm really passionate about is having that, that ability in a relationship to be able to say, hey, I'm going for a run because I need it. Um, and how do I say this politely? You, you have to be okay with this. You know, as a partner, you have to understand that I'm doing this. If I'm not here to cook dinner on time or if I'm going to miss an hour of something that you want to do with the kids, then I'm sorry, but this is me and I need this. And the same with my road trip. That road trip I did in 2017, I did another one in 2018. And I just said to my partner, I said, look, I just need a week by myself. Um, she totally supported it, totally understood it because she got it. Um, there was no, I need you home. The kids want to see their dad for a, a week. Um, she knew, she got it. And I, I try and really spread that word that, yeah, I, I, I hate, I don't want anyone to think that I'm being cruel in a relationship or anything, but you have to have that partner support to go out and do something that you want to do. So if that means you want to go and have two hours at the pub with your mates therapeutically wise on a Thursday and your missus says you don't want to, or on the other side, if you're a female and you say you want to go out and run one hour in the morning and your husband says, no, you've got to get kids ready for school, then there needs to be some serious discussions around that, that, that they need to appreciate what you get out of it and how much better you are as a result. Because I never did that in my past relationship. And in my current relationship, we are so together on that. So if I want to say, if I need to go away for three days, um, doesn't happen very often, but once a year, once two years, then Kath, my partner, she'll look and say, that's great, Trav, go and get what you need. So I'm pretty passionate about trying to spread that. And I don't know where this, how I diverted onto that, but that's hey, where I got. Mate, I, I'm glad it did divert to that because I'm 100% with you, you know, and I think, you know, we can, people can sell self-care as like bubble baths and massages and that, whereas, you know, when we look at things like setting boundaries and being able to communicate your needs to be able to work through what you need to work through. But in a partnership, having a relationship that is both supportive and allows you to, like what we spoke about, be vulnerable to communicate what those boundaries and needs are for you to be able to do what you need to do to then turn up for that person for when they need to ask that of you. Yep. And, mate, I, I could not agree with more with what you said and I, I've had some extremely negative relationships in my past also and by having a space now that promotes what we're talking about it's allowed me to have a greater appreciation of what love is and also of what an actual relationship should look like yeah yep good point exactly right I can see Darth laughing at me now. I'm not laughing, mate. I'm, I'm not laughing at all, mate. I'm smiling. I'm just smiling, like happy. It was yeah. great. I think that, it's um, beautiful, mate. Thank you for bringing that up. It, I yeah. um, I think I've taken it too far with my wife, what you're saying there, Travis, because quite often it's <laughs> like we just get out and go for a run. 
<laughs> you know, you, you're pissing everyone off or you're grumpy or whatever. Get, get out and go for a run. So, um, yep. but you know, you're, you're 100 right, and it's 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 that two way street that you just you don't even need to really. Um, I, don't, I don't know. For us, it's like, hey, I've got I'm going for a run or. Lies my wife. She's going for a run, or she's got sport, or she's going for a drink. Well, it just, yep, yeah, yeah. Like it's the thing I always hate is that people sort of ask in relationships, they, oh, is it okay if I go and do this? You know, it's not a permission thing. No, yeah. they, this is what you want to do. My, you know, my role is to support you to do the things you want to do because Correct. they're good for you and they're what help you and they're what make you who you are. So it's not like it's, there's not a permission element there. Always that sort of always strikes me a bit weird when someone says, oh, I just got to see if I'm allowed to you know, go for a run on Saturday or come to the pub on Saturday night or whatever. So, yeah, and everyone's, yeah. Different, everyone's a bit different, but it's, yeah, it's it's certainly an element there that it takes a bit of work and then you find that that balance or that person and it's just, it's fantastic. That's the, until, until you're competing for training slots. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's only so many, there's only 14 in a week. So, yeah. Yes, that... um. Mate, so when you talk about there, just obviously go, you're saying, you know, if you need to go for a run, you go for a run for you. Do you still enter events and run in events yourself? Yeah, um, I do. Like, yeah, oh, good. Yeah. yeah. Have you got anything in the pipeline? <laughs> yeah, I have, mate. I've, um, so I'm going, I was a, a cross country runner. So 5Ks, um, like I said, I didn't do anything more than 21Ks until I did my first marathon. I've got. I've done 15 marathons since, and I'm. I haven't nailed one yet. I've done 15, and yeah, I've done a couple of decent ones, but nothing I've nailed. So I love the challenge of a marathon. So I got into London Marathon last year, but uh, COVID put a stop to that. Um, I still trained for it. Still did the London Marathon or four laps around Carrara. Um, again, I, I failed. I, I'll use the word fail, and for this podcast didn't do my time didn't nail it didn't finish strong so i'm entered again for london um october uh whether i get there or not it's another story but i'm training for it that's my goal i just want to nail a bloody marathon i just want to i want to run the last 3k like i run the first 3k so that's my big goal and i'm 48 years old and i haven't done strength training for about 25 years so I'm going to bring some of that in. I'm going to do some different things. I'm going to try a few different things and I'm going to bloody nail a marathon on October the 3rd, 2021 in London. And if not, I'll be in Melbourne a couple of weeks later. I'm going to, I'm going to nail one. So that's my big goal. And I went across and I did some work. I took a tour group over, um, uh, part of Tri Travel. And I wasn't going to do any more marathons. I did one in every state of Australia. That was my goal with... Um, with my addiction I, I set a goal to do one in every every state at, after my first one and I wasn't going to do any more but I saw London Marathon firsthand and I, I was just amazed by it it was, it was 2018 and it was just the most amazing thing I'd seen so I uh, I said I'm going to do that and that's yeah. that's what I'm going to do you um you, you do well to snag an entry because they reckon it's the hardest one to get into isn't it London entry yeah, wise yeah, yeah I, I had to buy a spot off it tour so the, okay, the, tour, yeah. the tour group yeah. that i take across um there's a spare spot just floating around miraculously which i um snabbled yeah nice yeah. Yeah. yeah a friend of mine she was meant to go as well there was a few um 
few sad moments when it was uh, first canned last year. Um, but I think obviously the situation there in now is probably not a great spot to be anyway. So no. um, hopefully come October, you're good to go. I hope so. I hope so. so. You'll be good to go. Hopefully London's good to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've, I've even got a backup. Yeah, but, so but then Melbourne, Melbourne's a pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah all right. All right. So you, I know that you did something towards the end of last year. So we all second half of last year. So we obviously we were getting belted around with COVID. There was no events on people were, um, you know, everyone was itching. Everyone was training because everyone sort of had time. They'd, they'd found this extra time from working from home or whatever it was that, you know, taking the commute out, people were fit and looking for races. Um, and you put on, uh, like a lead in series for the GC 50 and you had a range of events, running out of Coolangatta from memory. Yep. I did, yep. I'm just going off what I saw. I didn't actually do any. Um, yep. And it seemed, people seemed to get up for that and they were motivated to do it. And people were, you know, seeing their Strava pop up, oh, I've just run a 10K PB or a 5K PB and those sort of things like it. That, um, I think even little things like that, like that was pretty special from a community perspective. Um, did you, yeah. what did you take out of that? Yeah, it's, it's going right back to my um, my race director days. I used to run the lead-up series to the Gold Coast Marathon. And just with no events on anymore um, and the, the big race coming up, whether it be 50K or 30K, I, I just saw a need for it. There was no, you know, you couldn't do the trail races anymore. All the little races had been canned. So to get 10 or 20, I think the first race, I could only have 30 people down there with the COVID restrictions, but then it got to 50 and then it got to 100. And so we're okay. But also offering the, the virtual option, but there was one relationship formed out of it. Um, oh, nice. There was, yeah, there was a, a running group that brought their running members down that attracted new members as a result of it. There was um, amazing times. There was some some battles. Even I had a battle in my age group with a, with a guy. Um, the running clubs that were formed that came down, there was so much, so much to it that uh, made me realise how important running events are for for everything, for, for all those reasons I just mentioned. It was, um, yeah, so it was good. Well, it was unstructured. There was no, oh, there was a couple of little prizes, but you had to take your own time. You had to, there was no marshals. It was on the paths. Yeah. But it was really good. And I had a couple of hundred people enter the event and then anywhere between 30 and 70 people come down for one of the races and everything, the last race I handicapped just to make it a bit of fun. So it was a 10K and our fastest runner was a 32-minute 10K. And our slowest was an hour 45. So I set them off at different times. And then the idea was to try and finish together. Um, and that, I love that type of stuff. I mean, again, that wasn't for anything other than my personal enjoyment. I enjoy doing those things. I, I run a little triathlon series I've been doing since 1996 on a Friday. Um, people thank me every year for putting it on. Um, and I say to them, look, I'm doing this for me. It's it comes back to the that what we we're talking about before. It's my it's my therapy. It's my Friday night pub night. I go and, and race. It takes twenty five minutes, and I spend the next two and a half hours having a beer and chatting to people, and yeah, with with a bunch of mates. So it's that type of thing. And do you do that? Is that various places on the Gold Coast, or is it the you run it from the same venue each Friday? Same venue every Friday since nineteen ninety six. We don't do it in winter because it's bloody freezing, but we uh, we have two series we have a an end of year series then we have a bit of a break and then the next one starts in february and goes for about 10 races um 
and it's that exact what we've been speaking about. It's it's pub night. It's it's predominantly guys, um, but everyone's welcome. We we do have girls that come along, and I'll never forget a good mate of mine, Scotty Wimpy. He came along one night, um, and he said at the end of the race, he said, "Trav, I had a crap day at work. I was going to drive home." He said, "If I'd have got home, I know I would have kicked the cat. I would have told my son to get off the PlayStation. I probably would have brushed my wife." Instead of going home, I came to Rio, which is what the little try is called. I raced. I had a beer. I unwound. I went home. I fed the cat, kissed my wife, and played footy with my son. And he said it was just a completely different turning right to go to Rio versus going straight home. Um, and that's what Rio's about. Um, and that's what Run Down Under's about uh, as well. It's it's all inclusive. It's it's for, for many reasons other than just clocking up distance. Yeah. Unreal. And sorry, just quickly, where do you where do you do that if people are interested? Oh, it's a secret squirrel society. Is it? Is it? All yeah. oh, right. It's um. I don't often go into it on this podcast without uh, the podcast being shut down by twenty five life members. It's oh okay. There's no, right. there's no insurance. There's no yeah. um. There's no so people listening. Just find someone else that's done. It's like Fight Club. Just find someone okay. else that's done. <laughs> okay. So we'll have to edit this out. We don't yeah, talk about Rio. Yeah, find someone that's done it and they will invite you if you think you're worthy and then you can come down and see how you go. Secret right. squirrel stuff. That's the first Gold Coast secret society I've heard of. I've yeah. only been here four years, but uh, I'm sure it there's exists. others. It exists, mate, it exists. Oh, very good. Plus, plus I don't want council to hear either. because No, no, there. well, it's, that's just 25 people <laughs> having to be training the same thing at the same time, isn't it? Exactly what our wording goes by. Very good. So, mate, we've, uh, despite my delay at the start, we've been going for a little while. Um, we do have a couple of questions that we, that we ask everyone and that we prepare them. Um, we, we do have a section that are going deep with Jim where Jim asks his big, deep question. I don't know if you've got one, Jim. No, we haven't really ever done that, to be no, honest. Well, we keep getting deep before then, don't we? Yeah, well, I think, um, oh, God, it's... Uh, it's been a very passionate conversation, you know, like I think um, it's been an absolute pleasure hearing Travis talk and I think he's really shared some truths today. Um, I, I have nothing further <laughs> to no, add. I never... sit here and talk to him all day on many different topics other than running. Um, so like we say every week, I think uh, we'll have to get him back. <laughs> yeah, I've never had anyone back. I've never had anyone back. We'll have to get him back. I, well, Jim doesn't have his question, and we probably did cover off some deeper stuff than I thought we would, and that's obviously, Jimmy, your specialty. But the I have a question that I ask every week, even when people tell me not to ask them it, is, um, or every podcast, I should say, the well, everyone comes on his run or is a runner or has done some running, and we've all had those runs where you see something or you experience something or something happens that you'll never forget. So what's the weirdest strangest most unusual thing that you've had happen or seen on a run okay i'm, I'm probably the most boring answer to this because i i'm struggling with a with anything that's going to provide some massive content of humor or anything <laughs> well that's, so, we've had a couple that haven't been humorous have we that's <laughs> not the real like serious shit like someone's yeah someone reckons they saw a murder or something didn't oh, jake no, say no, that no. so i've got so i've got two so 
One is one I'll talk about, which stuck in my head. I did a Gold Coast half marathon in when I was a kid, 25 years old. And I was running along and I was chasing this guy in the distance. And I, it was for some reason, it was a focus of mine. And it's when the run went down Main Beach and you turn around and came back. I'll never forget, he, he stopped, did his shoelace up and then started running back towards me. So I didn't run to the turnaround. And that was 23 years ago. And that guy still, I want to find him and ask why he cheated and what about him. So that's the one story. But I guess in terms of humour and whatever, there was an event called the Endeavour 500 that used to go every November. And I did it for five or six years. Um, It was a group of, you had a team of maybe 16 to 20 people and you ran 500 kilometres as a team from Boona and out through Ipswich and Toowoomba. And it was all put on by Phil Hungerford. And it was an iconic, amazing event. Um, Red tape and a lot of other reasons. It's no longer around, but we had the roads to ourselves. There were 17 teams one year when I did it. So, you know, 400 people out there, support vehicles, music on the cars, buses. Um, we'd stop and have criteriums. But every year there was always a naked runner, someone in a Santa suit. Uh, th- that was probably the most entertaining weekend of running sites from people that you'd so the Nike had a team, Victory Sports had a team, uh, the AFL umpires had a team, down to Redland Potters to Endeavour Foundation. And there's always someone out there that would make you smile or make you laugh on that run. Because it got pretty tough after three days running 500 Ks. You only ran 10 or 15 a day. But um, that was the most entertaining and the thing I saw. But that's pretty boring. And it sounds like a good event. I like it. Ah. Surely there's a good race director out there, maybe even if they don't call themselves a race director that could revive that. <laughs> it it was epic. It was it was the highlight. So everyone knew about it. It was and you had so the team victory would put in some pretty epic teams. So Michael Shelley would run for them. Um, I remember the AFL umpires put in a team to try and race them once and, and they did beat them. Um, right down to the social side of it. You know, the in-training team would put in some pretty gun teams, but we were always social. We had our own internal battles and Get a few beers at the Boona pub, watching the Criterium go around, and a few beers at the Toowoomba um, University where we'd stay. And it's just a bloody awesome event. It was 45 degrees most days. The road would be melting. There'd be 7 million flies. You'd get on a bus and sit there for four hours. There's so many bad things about it, but there was so many good things about it. It was epic. Did you um? Did you have to? Did you crew yourself, or was it like a group bus thing? Like how, how did that? Well, I'm really interested. Yeah, so you had, so I was, I managed it for three years, our team. So you had a follow vehicle. So you had one of your team members would um, drive behind the runner, uh, music on top. Then you would have a drop off vehicle that would take the next three runners to drop off at their spots. And then you had a team bus that would have the rest of the team in it. And you do between four and six Ks generally. So Phil would mark out the, the course to be a changeover. So the runner would, um, We'd run that four to six on the road. So I wouldn't say the roads were closed, but there was a policeman there that would go up and down. And um, the bus would stop. Everyone would get out, cheer. You get back in the bus as you run over and past. And you did it all yourself. So as a team, so as a manager, I had to meet every breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I'd get my sheets. I'd have to tell my teams where to, where to stop, where the next checkpoints were, all that. It was all coordinated. There's a fair bit of work that went into it. 
but it ran smoothly. You know, there was never anyone run over. There was no one ever crashed. Um, we used to get in trouble a couple of times for the music being too loud at four in the morning or something. But other than that, it was, we all did the right thing. You got fined if you did things wrong. So Phil would take time off you. And so those, those guys going for the victories, um, that was pretty important for them not to get penalised time. So yeah, it was, yeah. it was epic. And Sounds awesome. Yeah, it was so good. Sounds like uh, the, you know, the the 50k relay that they have. I think Craig Churchwood. That's like yeah. that. Just lad on steroids. No. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I think. Yeah. yeah. Might have to look into that a bit more and find some. Uh, maybe I'll get on Steve Jackson. Maybe he, he'd love that. Yeah. Get him onto it. Ah, very good, mate. I think question-wise, what else have we got? Oh, sorry. So you have done a lot of – you've done quite a few runs. You've run a marathon in every state. Um, you've done some awesome things like that, Endeavour 500, you just mentioned there. Is there two, – this is a two-part question. One is what's the one race – and you may have already answered this, but you can answer it again. What's the one race that you just yeah, – you have to do? It's like your dream race. And then two, what's a race you've done that you would recommend everybody do? Okay, the second question, one race that I would recommend um, is a Steve Jackson race. I did it in 2018. It's the Hamilton Island Hilly Half Marathon. Uh, I'm not a trail runner, as I was speaking to Jimmy before. I'm a road runner. So it's 21 Ks, and I don't know the elevation. I'm not into all that stuff, but it's bloody hilly. So it's called the, the most brutal race in Australia, and it is amazingly beautiful, but it is so tough. So I... The first seven Ks on the road, you go through town up to One Tree Hill and all through these massive hills. It's bloody hilly. Then you come back into the checkpoint. Then you go up to Passage Peak and up to a lookout, come back down, stairs, hills, massive. And then you do the third peak. And it's truly beautiful. It's the most spectacular run I've done. Um, it's tough. It's 21 Ks of, of hills. Um but it's Hamilton Island. We, we take the family. It's our holiday. We get away there for, for three days. It's on the long weekend. Um, and it's it's really well put on. So the, you get a, a wine or a beer at the end. So you get a pack that's pretty um, pretty epic. And it's it's a lot of fun. It's really good. It's tough, though. Yeah, that's really. the one I'd recommend people to, yeah. to do. And plan around it. Get out there. Have a holiday. Take the kids. That's what we do. We take a couple extra days on and the kids play and we – we enjoy the with Sundays. And what was the other one? The bucket list. Yeah. What's your dream? What's the dream race? What's the one you have to tick off? Yeah, I've got to do London, but I think yeah. I also have to do um, Boston. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm a road runner. So yeah. Um, there's some trails out there that half interest me, but nowhere as much. Like I'd love to go and do the Banff Marathon, but but for pure, yeah. get me. Uh, say the wrong word then. Get me excited. Uh, London and Boston. You got to get fit for two marathons though for Boston, don't you? Because you got to qualify. Well, and then you got to run it. Yeah. See, I don't know what people do. So I guess the qualifying is the main one to qualify to get in. Then do you train for it? Or do you just go and jog around <laughs> and enjoy it. I don't know what you do. Yeah, that's another one. There was a few. Um, yeah, there was a few broken hearts certainly here on the Goldie last year for Boston you know I think there's quite a few people that had nailed that qualifier and then unfortunately couldn't make it but they yeah, they did send out a pretty nice virtual box package thing for everybody that wanted to do it that qualified and registered uh, 
Um, they do obviously do a pretty good job, and that's that's on my list too. Actually, Boston, that's right yeah. up there. Yeah, yeah, very good. All right, well, Jim, any uh, any like you said, you could talk all day, so don't ask a huge question because we're out of time. But um, anything else you want to cover? Yeah, I think it's just been a great conversation. I guess before you close, I want to say thanks to Travis for coming on, mate. I I had messaged us prior to this and said, you know, I was a bit tired and. I'd probably need a bit of pepping up to try and get into the conversation, but um, speaking to you, mate, full of energy, full of passion, um, great content. And um, mate, thanks for making yourself vulnerable once again to um, share your story and give so much back to your community. My pleasure. I'm, I'm so glad to, so glad to be here and help and share. I mean, I, I do, I mentioned, I find it very therapeutic. Um, so you talked about selfish, then, it is a bit selfish. I, I do enjoy talking about it because it helps me and, and I get a, a fair bit out of it personally. And if I can help someone else, then that's awesome. Oh, beautiful. All right. And then just in closing, so we've run down under. Anybody that wants to get involved, how? what's the best way to, to get involved? Okay. So it's it's a website-based application to, to join. So it's rundownunder.com.au. It's just like entering a fun run. You get on, you fill out your details. Um, it's 60 bucks for, for a 12 month subscription. Um, when you press pay, you'll get a, a voucher to redeem for a free sing little shirt. Um, and if you don't like that, you can grab a hat, you can grab a metal rack, you can grab a buff, whatever you like. And then it's as simple as your journey. So you run where you want, when you want. Um, it has to be structured. So we're not a step counting app. We're not a, a count your steps at work type of thing. We're an app where you have to get off the couch and out the door to go for a run or a walk, um, depending on where you are in your, your stage of running. Um, upload it to the app and then we'll track you on a journey around around the country. So it's 14,080 Ks. It's not something you're going to do in a year. No one's done it in a year yet. There's a, there's a challenge for someone. Um, it's a lifelong commitment because once you finish that, hopefully you've enjoyed it and you unlock another map. You can go and run USA, run New Zealand, run UK, run Europe. Um, and then stay active for the rest of your life. Because that's what it's about. It's about keeping you active for not just, and no disrespect to events, not just training 12 months to do a London Marathon. It's training and running and enjoying it for the rest of your life. Um, like a diet. A diet's something you need to sustain for the rest of your life. You don't just go on a diet for, for six months and, and then that's it, put it all back on again. Um, the idea behind my app is that you stay active. And if you enjoy it, um, you renew and then you, you continue your journey. So something I'm really proud of is that my retention rate uh, hit 80% last year. So 80% of people that, that joined um, enjoyed it and felt the need to continue their journey. And, and that's something that's pretty pretty exciting. Uh, very good. So for the price of a cup of coffee a month, you get the motivation, you get the community, and you get to um, challenge yourself to get around Australia in however long it's going to take you. Sounds like a pretty good deal. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think I've talked myself into it. <laughs> And, and it's funny because there are people that, and like yourself, Darcy, you probably heard about it for three years, two years, and there's yeah. a lot of people out there and it's not for everyone, but one day something will resonate with you. And I had a chat with um, a mate of mine and he was, he asked me why hadn't he joined? And you start talking to someone and then some reason you'll find to join. And it might be, oh, I didn't know I could do that or I didn't realise it helped with this or, yeah, because it is for everyone. And then one day... It might just twig because I've been around for seven years and I've got mates that haven't joined yet for seven years. And then one day I know that they'll join 
they'll think, oh, that's the, re-. and then that's the reason. And whatever that is, there's a hundred reasons why you will. And there's also a hundred reasons why you won't. Um, but yeah, and this could be your reason. You might want to race the, the missus around, see if you can catch her. <laughs> that might be the reason. Yeah. Yeah, she's throwing it down now, actually. Now she's come back in on one training session. She's in my ribs. Um, anyway, we'll uh, do another conversation. Yeah. Mate, thank you very much for making the time, um, coming on and talking about a number of things. Um, obviously, run down under and, and, as Jim said, telling your story and showing your vulnerability. Um, I think we'll, um, we'll wrap it up there and we may have another chat down the track. Like we say to everyone, we're going to have to get you back. So... Um, awesome. Best. We'll all no doubt see you at, running up and down the coast at some stage over the next few months, as we tend to see everybody that runs on the Gold Coast along that strip. But yep. um, we'll talk soon, and all the best with Run Down Under. Thanks very much. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. See you, boys. This episode of the Running Your Mouth podcast was brought to you by the Grateful Miles Running Journal from Aluku. You can get a copy at AL. OOKU.com and if you use the code podcast10 you'll receive 10% off your purchase.